0: I grew up in the generation where women really didn't, where women weren't expected to work. They were expected to get married and have children and be housewives and marry like a very successful man and make him successful. And I just didn't follow that path. You know, my dad worked on Wall Street. I really wanted to do that too. So I did. Although he never helped me. I mean, he he may have helped me get my first job or get my first interview. But after that, everything was done on my own. It was up to me to get promoted. It was up to me to get my other jobs. And he never helped me get clients. You know, I'm not slamming him for that. I think it was good that he made me do everything on my own. But everything I did was on my own. And so doing that and then seeing that you can do it on your own makes you want to do more on your own. And I think that, you know, once you know you can do something on your own, it makes you want to do more on your own. So I had that drive of like, I know I can do it.
1: That was Elizabeth Sands, and this is the Ocean Riders Podcast. The Ocean Riders Podcast. Conversations with creatives, entrepreneurs, thinkers and dreamers who also happen to be surfers. My name is Imi Barno and I am your host. I'm really stoked to be back behind the mic and to be diving into a brand new season of the Ocean Riders Podcast. I hope you like the new jingle and the new format. This year I've got an amazing set of guests lined up and I'm looking forward to delivering every other week an exciting and aspiring conversation with one of my guests. If you're listening to the Ocean Riders podcast for the first time, the reason I came up with this podcast in the first place is my fascination of how the ocean and surfing in particular really shapes your life. Most of my guests are building a lifestyle that is compatible with their passion and have either built businesses or projects to fit with their passion. My guests are crushing it and really busting the surfer stereotype. Today's episode is a conversation with Elizabeth Sands, AKA Mama Liz, in fact, I had a whale of a time recording this episode and talking to a woman who's had a thousand lives. Liz has reached the summits in terms of sports and financial success. And a few years ago, she rediscovered surfing and got absolutely hooked. As an ocean rider listener, you probably know the feeling. But as a result, Elizabeth has sculpted a new lifestyle and developed a handful of surf related businesses in Nicaragua, Morocco and the US with her company Drift Watersports but that's just the tip of the iceberg. I'll let Liz tell you her story. I love this conversation because Elizabeth is so inspiring and she has such a youthful spirit. So without further ado, please enjoy my exchange with Elizabeth Sands, aka Mama Liz. Hello Liz and welcome to the Ocean Riders podcast. How are you today? I'm terrific. Thank you so much, (laughs) Amy. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. And thank you ever so much for getting up super early in America for this podcast. I wondered if you could introduce yourself to the listeners and explain how you see yourself as an ocean rider.
0: Well, my name is Liz and I live in West Hampton Beach, which is in Long Island, New York. And I've lived in New York my whole life. I spent my summers out here and I finally moved here full time nine years ago. I uh, see myself as a, kind of a renaissance woman, I guess. I began my career as a as a skier when I was a teenager and in my 20s, and then I worked on Wall Street in the finance business for 20 years wow. and had that life, <laughs> spent all my vacations skiing, any weekend I could. Even my business trips revolved around skiing. Then in 2007, I had a very bad second knee injury and stopped, kind of left, left finance, and we lived in Florida for a few years. I realized that I really was tired of that financial world. It was right before the big the big financial meltdown in 2008. So I got out in a good time. Wow. Yeah. And so uh, I could still skied. I mean, I had to take a year off of skiing. I still continued to ski and didn't really do anything but raise my children. And it was my first time really being, you know, I always took Fridays off after my children were born. But I was really a full-time mom, which felt really good. And then... We moved back to New York and we lived out in Long Island full time. And I had breast cancer in two thousand and thirteen. I was fine. They caught it early, but I did have a full operation. And I skied professionally. I taught skiing and skiing was my life. Like, you know how surfers talk about everything's related to surfing, every single thing? Well, my everything was related to skiing. You know, it was like Oh man, it's a powder day. Like every, Oh, it's, that was a gnarly run. Like everything (laughs) had to do with skiing, you know, like every single thing I did was related to skiing, like surfers talk. Then my daughters were in surf camp and I was like, I kind of want to do this because I water skied a lot. Uh So I got on a fun board. I basically kind of remembered what it was like, but I made a lot of mistakes. So I took a lesson with a guy that I knew and I got like, I'm not kidding, like 20 waves like he just kept pushing. I didn't realize he was pushing me into these waves. I'm like, how am I getting so many waves? Like, this is unreal. And he's like, oh, I've been pushing you. I'm like, oh my God. So that's like not surfing. He's like, no, but you're getting up. Like, you're getting up on the board. I'm like, but how? He goes, well, you obviously have really good balance. So then, then I took my kids to this surf camp in Nicaragua and I was surfing. It was like my first ride. It was in white water, but it was like big white water. And I'm like, oh my God, I can do this. And then they're all talking about like out the back. I'm like, isn't it all the same thing? Like, you know, like, but is this like out the back? Like, we never talked about like out the back. Like, that was like, we didn't have an We didn't have whitewater where I lived. It was like, it was all out the back, you know? And so I'm like, I'm just going to go out there because we don't have an inside where I live. And I was catching waves. And I was like, oh my God, this is like the best thing in the world. I'm never skiing again. <laughs> So I thought, well, we need to go to a surf camp. And someone said, oh, you should go to Nicaragua. These great girls, or you know, surf with Amigas, are doing these great women surf camps. And I thought, okay, terrific. And my friends and family were like, Nicaragua. I'm like, yeah, why not? It's only, you know, it's like only eight hours to get there. Like it's not, it's like going to Europe. You're like, why not? So we went to Nicaragua. Fell in love with Nicaragua. We were all surfing. It was fantastic. It was like a dream week. Fell in love with it. Ended up going back a month later to get yoga certified. Wow! Almost every day. So my <laughs> surfing water time went up. I came back and I'm like, I want to change my life. I want to teach yoga. I want to be a surfer. You know, I was still searching for the perfect surfboard. So I partnered up with a guy who sells surfboards in California, Equinox Surfboards, and was going to rep his boards, and I could get free surfboards. So we did that for a while. Then we decided to start our own surfboard company. That's a whole different story. So we did. Just how old were you when you rebooted your surf? I was 51. Wow. The energy is just amazing. But I was practicing yoga very rigorously. So I was in very good shape and I've always maintained, you know, good physical shape. So it was, I had good balance. So it was easy. I think I had strong arm balance. So I was, you know, and I was, I had water skied. So I knew that sort of balance and skied. So um, I was a ski instructor, and so I knew, you know, I was I was very strong. So I took to it right away. Of course, there's always, there's periods where you do very well, and there are periods where you don't do well. It was very frustrating. I would lose my confidence. Then I would get it back. And surfing where we live is very difficult. So if you can surf here, you can surf anywhere. I mean, look, right now, I'm going through what I call a dry spell, where I surfed terribly the last five days, <laughs> like terribly. But a week ago, I was amazing. I mean, I surfed best surf ever. Then this last five days, it was like struggling to catch waves. So I realized I need a thinner board. So I'm having, I'm making myself a thinner board because my board's 24 across. I need like 22. I need two less inches. So my arms can get fully in the water. I realize I'm handicapping myself. So anyway, you learn these things when you're making boards and so forth. So after that, we bought a place in Nicaragua. And we stopped going to Europe because we're always traveling to Europe and only went to Nicaragua. I counted. We went 19 times in three years to Nicaragua. I also went to Costa Rica to surf camps. I continued going to surf for the Migas. And on one trip, I met my friend and future partner, Liv Hung of Nurse Stefano, and we were stuck in a hurricane in southern Nicaragua. We had great surf for like two days. And all of a sudden, this massive storm came in. But what we didn't know was it was this hurricane that wiped out northern Costa Rica, southern Nicaragua. And my husband had called me and said, you know, there's a hurricane coming. I said, oh, no, we're just getting some rain. He said, no, no, there's like this massive hurricane. And of course, when you're in Central America, you don't have CNN and all that stuff or anything. And there was this huge hurricane. We had to evacuate out of certain rooms of this hotel and go to this like dormitory structure. And there were 18 of us in like these four rooms. One usable bathroom. I mean, we were stuck for two days. And Liv and I bonded. And we're like, we should make, and this is not sort of the Miga's fault. It was the hotel's <laughs> fault. But we were like, we should do our own retreats. And we spent two days, like, machinating ideas. And then we decided we'd do them at my house in Nicaragua. Because not only did I buy one house, I bought, like, another house. Oh, really? We bought land. We really like dug in, we're like, Oh my god, this is the greatest place in the world. The surfing's so awesome. So there was a nice left in front of our house and we had this beautiful house. And then we became really good friends with the hotel next to us, Coco Loco, which is an eco which is where I got yoga certified. So that's like sacred ground for me mm-hmm. and where I had the site of the first surf retreat I went on. And then all of a sudden the political situation in Nicaragua reared its head while we were there. I was there with my husband. I was there alone, it happened. And my husband flew down and when we left, that was the last time I've been in Nicaragua. So when was that? 2018. Wow. And so I haven't been back since. I miss it. You know, we have a caretaker that watches our house, thank goodness, because and we just, he just sent pictures. It's still in good shape. And then coronavirus. So anyway, in the meantime, because we couldn't do Nicaragua, we decided to do Morocco. And Liv found a place in Morocco. I became really good friends with the fellow that was the main partner And I said, if you ever need a partner, and so somehow they they absorbed. I went to visit because I said, we can't do a retreat there unless one of us goes there. (laughs) And because my children are young, I flew out there over there, and we bonded. And they brought me in, and we bought a piece of land, and we're building a hotel eventually. Because of COVID, everything's backed up, and we're partners now. We bonded like best buddies. He's married, (laughs) I'm married, but we bonded like really good friends. So there's four partners: Mm -hmm. Duncan, Hassan, and Hussein. And two Moroccans, a British and an American, and my husband, of course. So we were about to build a hotel this summer, but then COVID happened, so no non-essential construction. And I've been to Morocco, like, spent, like, probably the equivalent of four months there in the past year. Wow. (laughs) Four different trips. And um, we love it there. I mean, I love Nicaragua. It'll always have a place in my heart, and I hope that that gets back up and going, because we'd like to do some trips there. Mm Mm-hmm. That we've had some very successful trips to Morocco, and they incorporate surfing, yoga, exploring, camel tours, desert camping, glamping, if you will, uh, Marrakesh city tours. And we did it all ourselves. Wow. You know, Spot M is the travel company that I'm now a part of, and they helped us do this. We rent villas for people. So it you know, you could really call it a socially distant type of thing because there were no other people. It was just us. So when travel happens again, we can make it very socially distant. Yeah. If you want to come with yeah. a because friend, four friends came on one of the trips. So it was four friends and then two and two other friends and two other friends. So it was really people that knew each other. Yeah. So when it continues, we could advertise, you know, socially distant travel <laughs> if that's where the world can go, you know, and Or we could rent three villas and put four in one, two in one and two others in one, because we have that access. Where the town that we're in, a lot of people rent their villas out. Right. So we have access to probably twenty villas. So we can really make it socially distant. We at the time we never we weren't looking at it that way, but that's, you know, how we could do it. And the surfing there's amazing. And there's Several different options. If it's too big at one place, or if it's not suitable for beginners, but we have one beach where it's really good for both. There's a mm-hmm. lot of white water, and white water is a concept that we just don't have where I live. You know, it's like everything's out the back. There is no white water. You know, if you're a beginner, you sink or swim. You know, you catch it or you don't, and that's why everybody here is such a good surfer because they they're sort of thrown into the fire. Yeah. And if you can surf here, you can surf anywhere. So that's how I sort of in a roundabout way started. Uh-huh. And so what I'm doing now. Is trying to teach yoga via Zoom and sell surfboards off the beach. I drive around in my little beetle, I have a white beetle, and it says drift on the side. And people see my boards and they order them off the beach. Brilliant. And that's what I can do and teach yoga, practice Reiki, and just hope for travel again. Excellent. Excellent. I love that business model that you have of.
1: Going to a country, visiting it, buying land or buying a property, and actually sort of starting up everything—that is so fortunate. And to be able to sort of have that, go in and do it that way—it
0: must be fantastic. It must be super exciting working on projects like that. Well, thanks to working on Wall Street, I was able to do that. But I don't—I think the pot's dry right now. I think we have to. Uh, I don't think we can go into another country and do that again. But <laughs> we've been—we were fortunate, yes. Yeah. So the focus is now Morocco, which we love.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I speak French, so it's nice to, you know, it's very easy to go there. My Spanish, I learned going to Nicaragua, so I have sort of lost it. But I think once I, if I landed there, I'd probably be able to speak it again. And I love Nicaragua. that has got always will have a special place in my heart. Mm. But the focus right now is obviously, you know, Morocco.
1: So whereabouts in
0: Morocco is the hotel going to be based? It's in a town called Mere Left, mm-hmm. the southernmost well, there are other s- southernmost towns, but it's south of Tagazoo, south of Imswan, south of Asuera, And it's probably, and I'm not saying this because we have a place there, but it has the best water, the least polluted water. Okay. Tagazoo, okay. everything I've heard and, and seen has really, the water is sort of sketchy. And we were in Bali, my daughter and I were in Bali a year ago. And I was fine. So my eyes got really, really red. We were, you know, we were surfing in, um, in Canggu uh-huh. and, uh-huh. um, we were supposed to go to Uluwatu, but that day my daughter got really, really sick and my eyes were red, 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 red. I'm sure it was from the water because we ate the exact same thing. Although I love it. I would go back in a minute. I love Bali. I think it's mm-hmm. one I had some of the best surfing days of my life. I mean, we got off the plane, we landed and we're in our hotel by two. We were surfing by three thirty. And after 24 hours of flying, or whatever it was, two days of flying, and I still could surf. It was wonderful, and I'm like, "This is so great!" Like, and my daughter's like, "Can we live here?" I'm like, "I don't know. Let's buy something here." And I'm like, "We're already in Morocco." And she's like, well, "We could have surf camps here. It'd be so awesome." And I'm like, "No, no. I think Daddy would flip." You know, <laughs> but that's you know something I have to say. I've thought about it. You know, if if it wasn't such for us, such a long travel time, maybe I, you know, I'd, I'd think more seriously about it. Cause I love, we loved it there. She yeah. wants to go back and live there for six months. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, go ahead. I'll visit you. You know, but it was fantastic. So that said, you know, where we are in our left, because of the way the water flows, it, the water is super clean and you know, you can't drink the tap water, but you don't have to be afraid of the ocean water. Cause you know, obviously i I've, I've swallowed tons of water and nothing's ever happened and it's clean. There's a small town, But there's enough to do so that if you're there, because I've been there for five weeks, the longest I've stayed there was five weeks, I had enough to do that I wasn't, I wasn't like, when am I going home, when am I going home, it was fine, I had enough to do, and I was alone those five (laughs) weeks with clients, but not with any family or friends, I mean my partners, and I was fine. You know, it was like, I was sad to leave. I was happy to see my family, but I was sad to go home.
1: That's lovely. That's the way you feel at home.
0: Yeah. I felt instantly at home the first time I went there. And it was like, maybe it was the European culture, but it was just so inviting. And, you know, there are other countries I've been to, to a lot of countries, but they're in Nicaragua, they're very similar, yet completely different, but very welcoming.
1: Yeah, the people of Morocco. I don't know about Nicaragua because I've only visited Costa Rica, but the Moroccans are just a fantastic people and, and they're very friendly and, and welcoming. And yeah, yes.
0: it's definitely a great place to, to set up shop. I've been to Costa Rica a couple of times and I found, not that they weren't welcoming, but the people in Nicaragua are much more welcoming than Costa Rica. Hmm. So could you describe your, your hotel in Nicaragua? Oh, it's not a hotel we just have a very large house okay and sleep up to 14 we could sleep eight comfortably like we could have a you know we could have a woman's or, or a co- we could have a co-ed retreat for maybe six you know like we have three couples or we could have a, a woman's retreat for eight that would be comfortable or we could have a very you know a much lower budget retreat for about 12 you know not a cheap retreat but something you know a little bit Less private, mm-hmm. or we could have a super luxury one and it's right on the beach, Santa Maria Beach, where there's a nice left point break right in front. Or you could walk about an 11 minute walk, it's not bad, I've done it a lot, down to a bay where it works left and right. And it's that bay is great because there's tons of white water in front. So beginners can spend all day. It's kind of like big white water, I guess I should say. So you actually can catch some reforms. So you don't feel like such a beginner or you can surf way out the back, which is fun because you get super long rides and it's awesome. And there's like a little sheltered area you can sit and there's a couple of cafes right there so you can stop and have a coffee or a Coke or a snack or something if you're tired of surfing. So you can literally spend all day there and surf. And there's a couple of restaurants in town. People go volcano boarding. People go zip lining. I mean, there's like little day trips like we do in Morocco. We can also do in Nicaragua. Right. Right. So, so you try to add culture. So if we have older clients that aren't really so stoked on surfing, there's other things they can do. Right. Right.
1: And in terms of Morocco, so what are the sort of trips that you can do as a day trip or a half a day trip from your from Spot M?
0: From Spot M, what we do is we either start with a couple of things we do. We can either do an overnight camping trip and then wake up and surf first thing at first light. Or we can do a day trip to another town visiting different markets or souks. Mm -hmm. Or we start or end with a day or a day and a half and a night in Marrakesh visiting the different... And I keep it to a day or a day and a half because really there's only so much of that you can take. I mean, some people like to spend three days there and they know where they're going and they want to spend three days buying everything in sight. (laughs) But it's like where the Riyadh that we like is right in the middle of the souk. So it's like everything, it's the best part of it. So it's like, if you want it, it's all the same everywhere. These are the 15 best stalls, so just shop away here. Or I go to the fixed price market and I'm like, take everything here. It may be 10 dirham more expensive, but it's better quality, and you can just you can pay with a credit card. Yeah. So sometimes, I, depending on the group, I may take them there if they're like super shoppers. It's like just you know spend <laughs> four hours here and you, you're done. If they're more adventurous and they don't want to do that, I'll take them and do the thing, the the market, and then we drive to the deserts, but it's about a four hour drive, spend the night. And if they don't want to do camels, we just wake up, go to the castle, hike, have a meal, drive back to Mirror Left, and that's about a day and a half. Right. We can do that in the middle of the trip. It's a lot of driving. Or we can do it at the end of the trip. We can also add the camels, which is for me I've done it so many times, so I, I'll do it, but I'll usually send somebody else at this point. And you take the camels to the glamping site. So there's like beautiful you know, nicer tents in my living room with like <laughs> beautiful rugs and tapestries and beautiful lamps and lighting and beds with like, beautiful blankets and tassel blankets. And then they have, you know, you have breakfast, and you have dinner, and they do some Berber dancing at night. And it's usually a party. And then you wake up at dawn to watch the sunrise over the desert. It's beautiful. Oh, wow. Everyone loves that. And I love that part too. I'm just a little over the camels because I you know, feel for <laughs> them. Now that they're treated well, we always make sure that we have an ethically sourced camel option because some are and some aren't. But our guys always know that everyone there is related. So someone has a cousin who does camels or a nephew that does camels or everyone's related. So we make sure that they're ethically sourced because some are not. And we always try to stay away from them. And so we put that in the end or the beginning. And if someone really doesn't want to surf, we can take them down to a beautiful beach where there's this rock arch formation. And we spend a day there. And we can do an extra yoga class or if somebody's hurting, I can practice Reiki on them. We can go to another town and just there's a town called Esuera, which is more for people surf there, but it's more for kite surfing, it's because mm-hmm. of the wind. We can go there and you know they can walk around. It looks a little bit like Greece. It's you know, if you can imagine Greece and Morocco, and we can drive back. I mean, there's a lot of day options. There's one town that's Tisnet, which is famous for its silver and gold market. So some people love that. And it is you are getting a deal. Yeah. So people love buying, you know, oh I'm getting a yeah, you are getting you actually are getting a good deal. <laughs> and then you can find like any kind of sneaker. Like if you're looking for Nikes, you're looking for Stan Smiths, you can find them in there for nothing. <laughs> My daughter's like, When are you going back? I need new Stan Smiths. And, you know, $15. You can get the Gucci copy. People that are into the copies of everything, they have that there too. And it's unbelievable, you know, what they have there. Better than in Chinatown in New York. You know, much better actually. People love that. Yeah. Because some people are into the surf part and some people are in like I ten years ago I was probably still into all that copy stuff. You know, I was into all that Chanel and, you know, (laughs) Aramez. And now I'm just like, ugh, like I just want like you know, Moroccan dresses and, you know, wetsuits and stuff like that. Like I could care less. Like this dress I'm wearing now, i got in Morocco. Oh, fantastic. I've got like three of them. And I just, I'm able to like change into my wetsuit up from this dress, you know. (laughs) That's all I care about. And sandals, you know, that we have clients that are really, where can I shop? When can we shop? When we're going shopping, you know, and then we have other clients that care all they want to do is surf. So is your clientele mostly
1: feminine, or do you allow husbands or boyfriends over as well for the, for the retreats?
0: We've had some co-ed retreats, but mostly you know a lot of them are women that want to get away. Yes, and, you know their husbands don't surf or their husbands are much better surfers who don't like to surf that much or they you know or some people would like to bring their you know we are going to start doing more family trips because some people like to bring their whole family. And some women just don't want men around. Yeah. They only want to be with women. And so we thought what we might start doing is when things pick up again is like put the women only in one villa and then have families in another and do things like Because we can. Yeah. And we have that luxury of being able to do that. So what, you know, we, would, we would do that.
1: Excellent. excellent. And so what's the vibe like when you get women that are on their own learning to surf and doing these amazing experiences? what difference do you find when there's a single sex environment
0: at first the first time I went on a the first time I went on a single female thing it was the first time I'd ever I mean since I was in college that I was around a bunch of single women because I went to an all-female private school then I went to at first an all-female college and then I transferred to a co-ed college so I thought it felt very weird. You know, it was like, they're all women. Like, and then there were some men that ran the resort. So I was like, I found myself trying to like glom onto them to have male conversation. And I just, I don't know. I've, I've always had a lot of male friends growing up, like platonic male friends. So I didn't get the whole women thing. And there were some male, you know, surf instructors and I was glomming onto them. Like they didn't speak a word of English, but that was okay. I was like, you know, I was like speaking French. I'm like, aidez-moi. And I'm like, uh, je me And I'm like, um help me <laughs> um, like how do you say help me in spanish and i'm like and i was like trying to climb onto them and then i would like talk to the resort owners at night like so yeah you know, how long have you been down here and you know because they were Amer- they were canadian so the girl's like oh that was so awesome I'm like didn't you find it a little odd there were no guys around and they were like like kids were young my daughter was like 13 the other one was like eight or nine and they're like yeah i guess i don't know i mean jamie and ben were there you know they were the owners I'm like i know but it was weird right so then when I went, when I went to the yoga thing, I'm like, oh, I hope there's some like men and I'm married, but I mean, I just, you know, and then when I went to the yoga thing, it was, it was co-ed, so it didn't seem as weird. But then when I went on more surf retreats, I don't know, I didn't feel uncomfortable, but I just thought I'm here to learn to surf, but I can't explain it. And I was like, why do these women want to go away alone? Like I'm married, so it doesn't like I'm here to learn to surf, but are they here to meet other women or like not because I have nothing against that. But I have a lot of women friends who are gay. But I said, so are you here to learn to surf? Are you here because you're escaping a man? And one girl's just like, oh, yeah, I got a really bad relationship. And I just need to be around women. I'm like, okay, I get that, you know. And so then I asked some of the instructors, like, we just find that women learn better if men aren't around. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. I'm like, I kind of liked it when that really hot guy with the long hair was teaching me how to surf. Like, I kind of like that. A lot you know like I did better with with the hot guy with the you know his name is Victor and he had like this really long hair like the typical surf instructor with like the muscles and the hair and I was like and he kept calling me mom that's where we got mama Liz from because he's like mama Liz mama Liz it's like oh man keep saying that you know and I was like doing better and better because he's like mama Liz mama Liz and I was like that's a lot better than you know Liz, I think it's your attitude. Like, you need to have a more... pot. Because I was like, I can't do this today. And I was, like, slapping the water, you know. (laughs) One girl's like, I think it's your attitude. And I was like, I don't need to hear that. I need to hear, Mama Liz, Mama Liz, you know. And I don't know, like... So anyway, so when Liv and I were doing, like, we have to do all women. Because women like to be around women. They just don't want guys around. But they don't mind a cute surf instructor. So when we did our thing, we had, like, Hussein, who's kind of good-looking, and then Muhammad, who's, like, with the long hair and he's learning how to speak English and he only wants to speak English. And he's like, yeah, he's like, you look good. You know, like, and so I'm like, just keep saying, you look good. You look good. You just keep saying that, you know? And he's like, okay. I'm like, just say, you look good. And it was amazing. These Some of the women were bothered. We had a woman with us that we had met on a surf retreat and she was the yoga teacher. And she also teaches surfing. We're like, Carly, you're going to come with us. We'll pay you. And if you don't mind, and you can help me teach yoga. She ended up doing a lot of the yoga and you can help surf teach the women that don't want a guy. Cause some of the women were like, can I get a female instructor? I'm like, well, there are not a lot of female instructors around, but we do have Carly. I want Carly. And I'm like, wow. okay. I mean, Carly could have been like horrible, but they wanted, I mean, Carly was great. But you know, they didn't say, we want Carly. You know, it was like, okay. And some of them, when they saw the guys were like, oh, I don't mind that guy over there. <laughs> but it was so funny. They're like, we're like, do you prefer on the question? do you prefer a female or a male? I want a female. And it's so funny. And the funny thing was when I was a little girl learning to ski, when I was like three, four or five, I would say to my dad, but dad's like, oh, I've got you hooked up with this instructor. I'm like, is she pretty? Does she have long hair? And he's like, what does it matter? I'm like, I want someone with long hair. And You'll get what you get. I'm like, but I want someone with long hair. You know, and I'd cry. and like, I wanted them to look like my Barbie dolls. It was so funny, you know? But then as I got older, I was like, mm, I kind of want Hans. <laughs> oh, you know, we got to switch from, I want Hans. And I was like eight or nine. My dad's like, oh, you do? Do you? And then, you know, then we, we get like an old guy, like, well, you got Hans. I'm like, no, I want like a young Hans. Like, I <laughs> want Gunther. Gunther, you know, because I knew them all, but, you know, and he's like, you don't need an instructor anymore. You can teach them. <laughs> so it's funny how you change. But yeah. I personally would want like, mama Lise, you know, mm-hmm. not, you know, mama lives, you know, and uh, anyway, so it's just funny. So they, a lot of them would prefer, you know, having a female teach them. And I don't know what that is, but I know for me, I want the hot guy with the long hair teaching me how to surf and <laughs> or teaching me how to do anything. <laughs> the funny thing is we're taking guitar lessons. My husband and I are taking guitar lessons via zoom, electric guitar lessons right now via zoom with a guy that I knew growing up. And he used to have long hair and he's a surfer. And I don't think I had a crush on him when I was younger. Maybe I did. I mean, everybody did. So I probably did too. And I've been, you know, we've been following each other on Facebook and Insta whatever. And he always has these cool pictures and he's written some songs and he's gotten some of them published and they're really good. And he advertised he was doing guitar lessons. And so I said to my husband, we should do this because we have these guitars that are sitting around. We should do this. And so we are. And my husband's like, you only want to do it because he has long hair. I'm like, he doesn't have more. Like, he doesn't. He doesn't have long hair anymore. And so when we did our first Facetime, he's like, I know why you want to do guitar lessons because he looks like Victor in Nicaragua. I'm like, he does not look like Victor in Nicaragua. I'm like, yes, he does. He's like, you, look- you like him because he looks like. I'm like, would you stop? He's like, that's your stereotypical type. I'm like, you don't look like Victor in Nicaragua. And, <laughs> and he's like, no, but that's your like fantasy type. I'm like, oh, would you stop? and like he's in the Bahamas okay and he's married or he has a serious girlfriend I'm married to you I'm like you know it's so funny so oh, he, always, hilarious. He, always, he was always kidding me. he's like Victor in Nicaragua he's like Mama Liz trying yeah. <laughs> so like, to can't find me he's like Mama Liz you know <laughs>
1: oh, that's hilarious well oh, that's really interesting so, yeah it's interesting that women want to sort of be around women much more especially when they're booking their their retreat so that's interesting it's amazing the way as this interview and this conversation is sort of going. You've been into so many things in your life yeah. and to and I just wanted to know what happens. Is it sort of a curiosity? Is it a sort of
0: drive? How do you get this sort of energy to start all these new projects? It's fantastic. I don't know. I guess because, you know, growing up, it was like it was expected that you I mean, I grew up in the generation where women really didn't where women weren't expected to work. They were expected to get married and have children and be housewives and marry like a very successful man and make him successful. And I just didn't follow that path. You know, my dad worked on Wall Street. I really wanted to do that, too. So I did. Although he never helped me, I mean he he may have helped me get my first job or get my first interview. But after that, everything was done on my own. It was up to me to get promoted. It was up to me to get my other jobs. And he never helped me get clients. I mean, not that you know, I'm not slamming him for that. I think it was good that he made me do everything on my own. But everything I did was on my own. And so doing that and then seeing that you can do it on your own makes you want to do more on your own. And I think that You know, once you know you can do something on your own, it makes you want to do more on your own. So I had that drive of like, I know I can do it. And I don't know, I was doing pearls one day and I made these pearl necklaces and I was like, oh, maybe I'll sell them. And so I did. (laughs) And I wasn't like mass, I wasn't like millions of dollars, but I was successful enough. And then I started making them for this charity in Nicaragua called Waves of Hope that the fellows that own the hotel started. And so I started giving them to the hotel and said, you keep the profit, you know, and, and that money went to waves of hope, which helped get clean water in the community. It helped build the schools. It helped improve the nature of the schools. It helped do beach cleanups and things like that. So I thought, well, here I am doing something and I'm helping. You know, I started, I was selling them for about three years and then I just gave for two years, everything I made went to charity. Then I stopped doing it because I I got rheumatoid arthritis. Plus my vision got really bad. So it was difficult for me to make them. I just gave them my inventory basically. And they, they sold them and they may still have some, I'm not sure. So that I felt like, well, I'll just do that. So everything I did, you know, knock wood was reasonably good. And, you know, this travel thing came, it seemed like a good time. But then this COVID thing happened. And I was in Germany visiting one of my oldest friends who I was going to try and donate a kidney to. But unfortunately, I'm not, I'm a 50-50 match for her. And that's not a good enough match, apparently. And then I was on my way to Morocco to do clients and so forth. And then COVID happened, the country shut down, and I had to get back to the States, like right away. And then travels were off, you know, so there's like nothing. And I was actually with talking to a girl I met in Nicaragua on one of those surf trips another girl who had been there vacationing and wanted to help me do a yoga trip with her for next year. First, we were going to do October. Obviously that's not going to happen. So we were talking about planning something else. Her name is, um, she does, she's a Swiss yoga teacher. So that's on hold. I still want her to do that. I want to help her do that, but I don't know when that's going to happen. And I'm still learning, you know, for example, I, I went down to Mexico in February to Siren Surf Adventures Do you know Kat and Christy? Have you ever interviewed them? No. You should. They're amazing. I love them. Like I've, I've heard about them and I was really curious. So I went down and they got me. Their motto is stay busy on your board. Like don't just pose on your board because you get these really long rides in Central America, you know? So don't just stand there, you know, (laughs) but be busy, cross step, you know? Drop knee turn, you know, and they get on the wave with you. and They're like, cross step now, drop knee turn. You know, they're like, they're on there. Like you cannot cheat. Like you just, they don't want you just standing there looking pretty for, for a minute. You know? <laughs> they want you to like be busy on that board. And that's their motto or that. And like end the wave before the wave ends you. Like don't just take it in and then fall off. Like they want you to end gracefully eggs kick out. And I learned so much. Like, you know, I had cross stepped once before, but I actually, you know, have a picture of me cross stepping and I was like, that's all I wanted to do was cross up and like be great, have more style to my wave, like not just stand there. And they're like, you know, pumpings for sissies and, you know, you need to be like doing stuff. And, and Christy was a longboard champion and Kat has coached some of the best longboarders and they are amazing. And they have this fabulous farm. They take you to their farm. They have donkeys and it's just amazing. And they're fabulous. And I loved them. And I had the best week of my life. It was fantastic. <laughs> I was so happy I went and I learned something. So you can always learn. Like I'm, you never stop learning as a surfer. You know, it's like I'm never, I'm, I haven't like, okay, now I can paddle out and get up. Now that's it. I don't need to learn anymore. Mm-hmm. So I'm always learning. So I, you know, I, I didn't go to poach them, you know, to take their <laughs> tricks. I just, I went there so I, I could personally learn more so I could offer more to people. And, you know, so I don't know. Oh, I brought that up because, you know, for me to grow, I have to learn from others too. Yeah. And same thing with live. like Liv, you know, live tries to, you know, get coached once in a while so that she can learn more, so that we have more to offer people. Because if we just stood, sat stood still and just did the same thing over and over again, it would be pretty boring. Mm. So you need to learn from others also. Not that we copy them, but. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's all growth. That's amazing. And please tell us about your surfboard shaping venture. Okay,
0: so I was looking for the perfect board. I couldn't find a board. It was either, I hated phone boards. I had such a hard time getting up on a phone board. It was like I didn't trust it or something. So I went and I surfed on like this 9-9 board. And that was like, to me, felt like the weapon of mass destruction. Like I was like, oh my God, this board is way too big. Like I can't do this. And then an eight foot was too short. And then a 9-9 was too long. And then a 9-4 just even sounded too long. And so I started playing with different boards. It was either too narrow or too this or too that. So I was like, I need an eight foot, but I want it wide in the center and thin in the back. And then it was too thin. Like it didn't float enough, but I didn't have enough because I needed more paddle power. So finally, I said, We're going to make our own boards. And I said, I'd like a 9 4, really wide, really thick, like a Walden. Basically, I want a 9 4 Walden, but under our own label, Drift Water Sports. And he made that for me. And so I was good on that. I said, Okay, now let's drop down a foot. I need 8 4, exact same thing. <laughs> So I was able to drop down a foot and still catch waves. And then I was like, okay, now I'd like it a little narrower and nine feet. And so we got a little narrower and nine feet. Then I was like, okay, now let's be bold. Let's make that Walden into an eight foot, but not really a Walden. Like we changed the measure. We didn't take the exact thing, but we made it kind of floaty fat. Let's make it eight feet. Well, I kind of, I sort of screwed up and that's what I'm on now. And it's too wide. Like my arms don't go all the way in the water. So like only my, I go up to like here. So I'm not getting my full. So on a really powerful day, I'm up and I'm fine. But when the waves are slopey and slow, I can't get into it. It's like a frustrate. like yesterday I paddled for two hours, did not get one. They went right under me. And then my surf buddy, my friend Nancy, who I surf with said, you need a thinner board. She's like, why are you doing this to yourself? I'm like, but last week I was amazing. Like I had like seven in a row, great days. She's like, that's because the waves were bigger and they were more powerful. She's like, why are you denying yourself inches? <laughs> She's like, you wouldn't deny yourself inches in other areas. I'm like, oh my God, Nancy, you didn't say that. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, she goes, you need longer and thinner. And I'm like, well, usually you want longer and wider. But like, Liv always says that. She goes, You want fat and thick. Like she I think she posted that on my Instagram. She's like, I know you like them fat and thick. I'm like, well, now I'm looking for thin and fat. But anyway, so Uh, long and narrow rather so he's making me a more narrow board so I'm back to my nine foot board that's 22 across and today's supposed to be terrible tomorrow's supposed to be terrible we're supposed to get like amazing swell this weekend like like big swell like eight feet uh, which is big for here wow but it's different when it's eight feet here it's a lot different eight feet here is like 16 feet Nicaragua it's (laughs) a lot different it's like oh my god waves it's like once you paddle out you got to stay out. You can't yeah. take it all the way in. You have to just like get up and then go right back out. Otherwise you're never getting back out again. So it's kind of like, I'm a little nervous, you know, because yeah. it's surfed that big, anything. We haven't had anything like that here since I don't know when.
1: <laughs> so do you actually make your own boards or, or do you sort of give design all, You
0: design them and then you get somebody to shape. We have a shaper who's like 20 minutes from my house, Bob Patagno. He's pretty famous out here locally because he's shaped for a lot of local board companies and I tell him the designs he makes them he gets all the blanks everything's USA made which is really important for people here for some reason they want everything made in the USA the only problem with that is they're a little heavier than if we got like those chinese super carbon blanks uh-huh. and they're much more like the old fashioned surfboards like logs of the 70s right. they're kind of they're very reminiscent of that which is kind of cool you know they're really retro looking and they feel it they're heavy you know they're they're not light boards but They're kind of what you want out here, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of the process. Like, I've been with him with boards, and, you know, if we had the room here to do that, I absolutely would. And we're actually selling our house, so it's been chaotic here with people in and out looking, and we're moving hopefully to a larger house, in which case we'll have a garage, in which case I could actually make my own boards, which I'd like to do.
1: Wow. And so you sell them out the back of your convertible Volkswagen bag. Tell us about your, my first car was a Volkswagen bug and sadly I I sold it to to get
0: a sort of car that would go further and faster and everything, but tell us about your, your Volkswagen. Well, we found it in California three years ago and it was white and I was like, I don't really like white, but my husband's like, white's the best for the summer because, you know, I'm like, yeah, you're right. So it's white on white and we're rebuilding it. I mean, the floorboards are rotted. You can't drive it in the winter. You can only drive it in the summer. Because the heat, you know, there's no point in putting the heat on. And um, right now it's dead because I stupidly last week left the top down and we had this like torrential rain and it shorted out all the wires. So I couldn't start it on, I guess, Friday. So we've left it drying out. Then last night it rained again, but I put the top on it. So we're hoping that once it completely dries out, we can start it again. But otherwise it has to go to the shop and get fixed. So we've been rebuilding it. We put new interior a new top you know the engine was great spent a lot of money you know fixing the car and i love it it actually goes up to about 50 miles an hour wow which is good for that it's 74 so it's 10 years younger than me i was born in <laughs> 64 so it's 10 years younger than me but it's, it's an antique uh-huh. considered an antique. it runs really really well it's hard though that clutch is so high <laughs> that it's like, at first, it's like, I have to be really far in front, If I'm back, I can't get, you know, my leg down. And I love driving a stick. I have a mini, it's my mm-hmm. real car. So now the minis become like the surf mobile for the <laughs> moment. Either I shove the boards in the back and keep the door open, or I tie them on top. And so that's become like, you know, the ad hoc surf car for the moment. But I prefer having the boards in the back because they stay there. And then my, my surf buddy can sit in the front seat with me. If I'm in the drift car, the green car, the mini, which actually has the British racing stripes on top. Oh, it's really? pretty cool. No one can drive with me because I have to put all the seats down. So the boards, which is hard. Also, like, the boards scratch each other and stuff. So hopefully the car will get fixed by the end of the week. I'm, I'm hoping. But I love that car. It's awesome. Everyone knows me. Like, even the police that patrol the beach are like, they know the girl in the Driftmobile, right? Like, yeah, she's all <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and her friend. Yeah, she and her friend, they're always surfing. Or they, or they might be saying, oh, there's old ladies surfing. Like, I don't know what they say. But, you know, better to be talked about at all, right? No matter what they say. Exactly. Like, they can say whatever they want as long as they say something. So it's been so much fun. I love that car. But you can't, in the winter, this can't be driven. Yeah. It's like a May yeah. through October car, which is right. pretty much the only time you'd want to surf here anyway, because after October and November, if I need more than a five four, I can't paddle. Yeah. yeah. Arms don't move it's in so, those seats. So- like it's awful like even the five fours like it's impossible and then it's not a fun experience yeah yeah absolutely and about being a reiki instructor could you
1: just sort of explain what reiki is for the listeners who may may have heard about it but aren't quite sure what it is
0: Well, Reiki is basically a healing art. Everyone thinks it's a form of massage. And I guess, I mean, it kind of is, but it's more of a healing art where you're placing your body heat is connecting with other people's body heat at certain points. Like you start in the back of the head, you start here, and then you go on to the back of the head and then different points in the body. And you go down to the seven different meridians in the front and the back and you place your hands over and your heat is connecting with their heat wow. as a form of healing. And a good practitioner would not do it on a day that they're feeling off. Like if you're feeling sick, if you have a cold, you shouldn't do it. You should cancel your session because whatever you're harboring can be transferred to the other person. So ideally, you want to do it on a day that you're well, because you're trying to help them. So then you would start and your heat is transferred to their heat. And you want to have a close your eyes, you sort of go through this little meditation process, and then you begin. And it takes about 40, 45 minutes. Some some people opt for a half an hour, a half session. Some opt for a whole session. Some people use their little, we have like a little compass we call it with crystal, and you drop it on each point. And if it goes a certain way, it means that is off and you want to adjust it. If it goes a different way, then that meridian is, is not blocked. And so it's basically a way of, you can call it, you know, Whether it's opening your chakra or balancing a chakra, I like to say meridian points because some people think chakras are like ooey and you know out there. But I do a lot with crystals, and so I I call it meridian points so people aren't as weirded out by it. And some people that that talk about chakras, and I'll say I'll use the word chakra, but some people are just too weirded out by it. So I do use crystals. I charge them in the full moon. Full moon, I charge my crystals, and I do a lot with them. And I do a lot of intention setting or burn bowl sessions, burning all the negativity, a little paper and you burn it you put it into a bowl and you get rid of it that way and try to set positive intentions. That doesn't necessarily go with, you know, they can go hand in hand with a Reiki session. They don't have to. And I learned all this from my friend, Amanda, who I do yoga with and who brought me into the Reiki world and the chakra world and the crystal world. And I'm, very thankful for that she really got me back into yoga I kind of slipped for a while and she got me back into it so I'm very thankful for her
1: excellent and can you do Reiki on yourself or is that you can you can you can
0: yourself and you can also do distant Reiki although I haven't done that yet you can take like a teddy bear or a doll and you can practice distant Reiki on a person so for example if you weren't feeling well I could take a teddy bear and I could do distant Reiki on you
1: Excellent, because I have a friend who's a, I don't think he calls himself a Reiki practitioner, but he does that, yeah, so you got a migraine, and, and from the other side of France, he'll say, well, lie down, and blah, 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 and then yep. half an hour later, you, your migraine's disappeared or something like that, yep. so it's, yeah, I didn't realize it was, you use a doll or a teddy bear or something like that to actually sort of do those, to practice
0: those. Teddy bears, because they're softer, uh-huh. although a doll does mimic a person better. If you have, like, a doll <laughs> that has actual features... Then, because you know, old fashioned dolls, they're good to have because they have actual features like a person. So. Wow.
1: Wow. No, that's really exciting. And that's great way. So can people expect to sort of have a Reiki session with you if they go on a drift retreat or a, a spot M yes, retreat?
0: They can. Right now I'm not doing it because of social distancing. Of course. I can do distance and I can do it via Zoom. I haven't done that yet though, but I have been doing yoga via Zoom.
1: Excellent. Excellent. I guess we're about to park the bus in terms of the podcast. And I'm really, I'm so fortunate to have this conversation with you. It's been really inspiring. And to, to think that you've done so many things in your life and with all this enthusiasm, it's just so uplifting. And I, I'm sure the, the listeners will love this episode too. Because I it, hope so. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to know what your next sort of projects are for the next six months.
0: You know, I've always been kind of like, if you want to do it, just do it if you want something, just go for it. And just, you know, you know, it's okay to fail as long as you try, because it's not really failing. It's just you, you went for it, it may not have worked, but the next thing will work. I've always been like, just go for it. Nothing is ever, I mean, obviously, as long as it's legal. <laughs> but for the next six months, I am going to try to do as much homegrown things as I can do, because we can't travel. I mean, as Americans, we're not even allowed to go to Europe. Right. Yeah. I'm not sure yeah. we're going to be allowed in Morocco. We do have some client scheduled to go to Morocco, but I don't know if that's going to actually happen because those of us coming from America might not be allowed in. And that's number one. Number two, Americans from New York will not have their global entry status because of a deal the president made. So a lot of New Yorkers don't want to travel because of that coming back in. They'll have to go, you know, instead of coming right in and punching a few buttons on a machine, they'll have to stand in line through customs for hours. So a lot of people are turned off by that. So it's just kind of a wait and see in terms of the travel business. I know for Liv, right now in Vancouver or in Canada as a whole, she can't leave the country and then come back and she has to quarantine. That won't work for her because of her two boys. So I don't know what in terms of travel is going to happen. I know for here, I can continue selling boards. I can continue teaching yoga. I can continue planning for what I might do once all this travel is lifted. All we can do is make plans so that when – the travel ban is lifted, we can hit the ground running.
1: Yeah, excellent. Excellent. So could you remind us your how to get hold of you online or
0: we are driftadventures.com, drift to the Y, mm-hmm. D R Y Adventures.com. My Instagram handle is at DriftWatersports and at mama 644 Or you can follow if you're in Long Island in West Hampton Beach or around, you can see the little driftmobile <laughs> or you can see the green mini. <laughs> with the british flags it's the only one <laughs> or just find me on instagram and tell me you're interested in a trip or you can look for spot m1 spot m underscore one at spot m1 on instagram as well or spot you can find us there shoot us a message shoot me an email you know be happy to talk to you. Perfect. Well, we'll put all these details in the show notes of the episode
1: so people can actually look you up just by clicking on a button. So that'll all be in the whole sort of package of the episode. So thank you, Liz. Thank you for ever so much thank for being so my guest. Thank
0: you so much me. It was great. It was
1: wonderful. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I must say that Mama Liz's energy is contagious and I felt so uplifted after having this exchange. I hope you did too. It all goes to show that nothing's stopping you from achieving your goals. From setting up surf businesses to teaching yourself to repair cars or becoming a Reiki therapist, it really reminds me of my conversation with James Victoria in episode 23, You Just Have to Start. I guess these troubled times perhaps is the perfect moment to sort out our priorities and change direction. I don't know what you think about that, but uh, let me know in the, in the comments. Anyway, this conversation today wouldn't have been possible without the help of Liv Hung, who was one of my guests from last year in episode 29, and who connected me with Liz. I urge you to check out her episode as well, and check out her uber cool retreats in Canada that she runs with her wellness business, Nourish Tofino. So, as soon as you can travel, look up Liz's amazing surf destinations, and book a trip with Spot M in Morocco, or talk to Drift Water Sports. And in any case, if you're in the New York area, go and take a trip to the beaches, and you might spot Elizabeth's convertible beetle or her green mini with a bunch of surfboards sticking out the back. All the references, websites, and social media details will be on the show notes that you can read on your phone or on my website, theoceanriderspodcast.com. The bonus on my website is that you get extra photos as well. If you enjoyed this episode and you like the content, please rate the podcast or share it with a friend. This helps me reach more people and share these priceless nuggets of inspiration with others. Don't hesitate to check out my website, theoceanriderspodcast.com, as you'll find all the back catalogue of timeless conversations with some super inspiring humans. You can also connect with me on Facebook and on Instagram at theoceanriderspodcast. If you'd like to support me, you can by checking out my merch on theoceanridersshop.com where you'll find quality organic apparel in super soft material and with some super designs for surfers. Anyway, that said, all the housekeeping out of the way, thank you ever so much for being a listener of the Ocean Riders podcast and thank you, Liz, for being my guest today. It was a wonderful conversation. I really loved it. Anyway, take care, guys. Until next episode, take care, have fun and enjoy the waves. Ciao.